Well, welcome. Welcome to A Coach's Perspective. I'm your host, Jenny Hopkins. I'm so happy to be here tonight. We've got a great show. Um, I'm going to introduce my guests here in just a moment. Um, I want to recap a little bit from last week. Last week, we had Coach David Archer on Cornell University's head football coach. It was a fantastic interview. Coach Archer is motivational. He's inspiring. He's energetic. Um, he runs a tremendous program in the Ivy League, and he's done a great job. Um, he played there. He was an assistant coach there, and then he was the youngest NCAA Division One head football coach when he was hired at 30 years old. And so he's done a lot of really cool things um, on and off the field. And so I, I invite you to listen to the extended version on the website, acoachesperspective.com. Of course, you can find it on you know Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Verbal, wherever you get your podcasts. It also will play on Helium Satellite Radio. Um, I want to thank Hi- uh, Highland Dairy, and I want to thank Craig Lehman with Shelter Insurance, Bill Grant, Ford & Bolivar, Story Construction, West Logging, Greg and Melinda Burnett, and Springfield Yard Cards for sponsoring this show. But our presenting sponsor is Great Southern Bank, and we are so grateful for them and for what they do for our, our show and, and being our teammate in this adventure. So thank you to Great Southern Bank. Great Southern Bank is serious about convenience with nearly 100 banking centers in six states, hundreds of ATMs, and mobile and online banking services you're always in touch with your money. Learn more at greatsouthernbank.com, member FDIC. All right, so tonight we are going to celebrate um, two women, two women that have been very impactful, and they've been impactful in sports, and they are deservingly being recognized for their efforts. Uh, my first guest, Casey Garrison Powell, is, you know, she's a member of the very talented basketball family that we have profiled on this show before, the Garrison family from Bolivar. And they have, you know, they've made a, she made a mark at Bolivar High School. You know, a lot of times when you have an athlete, you want to be able to contribute. Um, she didn't just contribute. She actually left a lasting mark that has helped keep that program, um, going and she's been an inspiration for a lot of little lady liberators in the area and then she exploded onto the scene at Missouri State University with the women's basketball coach under Nyla Millison she also left a big mark there as well at Missouri State University in the record books and the Missouri Valley Conference she was even first team all conference every year player of the year her sophomore year but accolades aside all of the accomplishments aside she has an obvious passion and an obvious joy when she plays the game. And, and I think that's one of the things that people always enjoyed. Yes, they loved the stats, but they enjoyed watching her play because she was, um, she, you knew that she was having fun on the court. So welcome, Casey Garrison Powell. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, that, um, you know, what we're going to talk all throughout the evening on a lot of things, you know, that you've accomplished and, and the impact that you've had. Um, but one of the things that, that I'm very excited about is your induction into the Springfield Area Sports Hall of Fame. So congratulations. Thank you. And we're also going to welcome someone that is synonymous with Jury Athletics. If I ever think about Jury Athletics, I don't think I've ever walked the halls over there and not seen this woman. Um, Barb Coward is joining us. She's a successful coach and administrator since 1980. I mean, Panther fans have had very few that can stand um, up to the impact that she has made on this university and the athletic department. As a volleyball and tennis coach, her teams accomplished and thrived. And as an administrator, she had programs that expanded opportunities for all athletes. Um, she added different sports. Um, she expanded the women's program. Um, she's also helped the na- um, launch the National Prominent Women's Basketball Program in 2000. Um, and she has grown uh, from women's sports to when she started to 10 which is absolutely incredible to provide those opportunities. She's assisted in the design of the O'Reilly Family Event Center. And one of my favorite fun facts about Barb 
Howard is that she was a four-sport athlete at Missouri Southern University. Um, so she played volleyball, basketball, softball, and track and field. So welcome to the show, Barb. Well, thank you. I appreciate you now, with having the, me on. Well, with the two of you, my goodness, uh, the resumes, I mean, that's that's the end of the first segment. <laughs> you, all, <laughs> you all have done so many things, and I want to congratulate you as well for being inducted into the Springfield Area Sports Hall of Fame, which will be on October 3rd. Um, and at the Oasis Convention Center. So congratulations to you. Thank you. I know that you are a, a very humble person. I know that uh, there is, you're not attention-seeking. You always want to do your job and kind of fly under the radar. But this is something that has been a long time coming, uh, being able to recognize you for those efforts and for what you have accomplished um, I know that it's it's hard for you to talk about yourself, but but this is, so that's why I'm doing it. <laughs> but you you've just done a tremendous uh, job, and you've seen so many changes and so many things. Um, I just think this is long overdue, and I'm very happy for you. Well, I appreciate that. I am a behind the scenes person, and I prefer to to be behind the scenes. And uh, I've uh, had the opportunity to work with a lot of uh, great athletes and a lot of great coaches, and have the opportunity for Drury to keep me for 40 years, I guess. <laughs> they didn't have to, but I've, I've, I've been fortunate to be able to spend my whole career in one place. So uh, I've seen a lot of uh, of uh, new sports and a lot of student-athletes go through the doors, for sure. Well, and I, I really feel like, um, you know, that Drury is, is not really a job for you. It's your, your lifestyle. I mean, you tried to retire. They wouldn't let that happen. <laughs> Well, I was enjoying it, tell you the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Got my arm twisted on that one. But, uh, you know, there's, uh, and I told her this, there's no one I would have done it for except for Nyla. And she, uh, she asked, and I couldn't say no. So we're good friends, and we work well together. We complement each other, I think. Yes, I think, I think that's wonderful. And it's, um, it's been, I think she's really enjoyed working with you. Um, and another person that's been able to work with Nyla Millison is sitting here um, with us and, and Casey Garrison Powell. And um, Casey, I want to, I'm going to bounce back and forth between Casey and Barb throughout the night. Um, but, you know, I, we've had you on the show before and we've talked a lot about um, what I'm getting ready to ask you for. But I want you to remind listeners how important this is, because this is a basis of a lot of what this show is about. Why, why was, you know, sports and for you, basketball in particular, such an impactful thing in your life? Um, I think it taught me a lot about um, relationships and working with other people um, and trusting other people um, because I think there's a lot of things that sports in general, not even just basketball, but sports in general can teach you just about everyday skills. Um, and so for me, even now in my work life with time management, um, with my coworkers, um, you know, other other people within my department, um, it's it's been a big lesson for me to have that um, as a child and carry that on to my adult life. It's amazing the parallels. Oh, absolutely. It, it is. And it, it, you see it in different ways, you know, but um, I do, I use references all the time of whenever I played to my coworkers and how it does correlate to what I do now. Right. Well, and, and Barb, four sports in college. Are you kidding me? That is incredible. How, so how did that experience help you similar question um you know how did it help you when you became a coach and then a sports administrator yeah, I, I love listening to casey talk about her experience <laughs> I, I mean i love i love listening to young women and what athletics has done for them and uh, 
uh, you know, I was very fortunate to, to come into the athletic scene right at the cusp of Title IX. I mean, uh, it, I couldn't have asked for anything better. Uh, and uh, there were very few women athletes at the time, and we just went from sport to sport. So I was in heaven. So it was a, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. By the time I left college, uh, uh, women were starting to specialize into one sport or two sports. But it, at the time I was in, we, we got to do everything. So I thought that was a lot of fun. But, uh, uh, you know, Casey's a prime example of why I do what I do, because I love seeing what sports do for young women and how it empowers them and gives them confidence and uh, uh, sets them up for life. And uh, it's, it's enjoyable to listen to her. Well, you you know you you've made an impact or, or created opportunities at Drury, you know, for for all athletes. Um, but in particular, you went from when you got there two sports to ten. That progression has to be something that you are very proud of to be able to expand the the women's department in the athletics. Yeah, uh, well, yeah. When I got there, we had the two sports, and uh, I coached both of them at the time, and then uh, uh, we did start adding a few. Uh, I think swimming was our next one, and uh, uh, we had to kind of wait till we improved our facilities a little bit and started adding a few sports. And uh, I think we went from about 20 female athletes to we're probably close to about 200 NCAA athletes, female athletes right now. So uh, it's it's been a joy to watch the number of young women that have gone through our programs. That is a, that is a lot of fun to be able to see that progress and to see that growth. Um, that is that's wonderful. And, you know, speaking of growth, let's talk about the um, basketball dynasty, Casey, that your family grew. Yeah. <laughs> Different kind of growth. But it is it is amazing. The You know, we had a series on this show once called, you know, um, the, the best sports families, you know, in, in this area. And we featured your family on here. Um, you've had you come from a strong sports family. But how much did, you know, growing up with such competitive siblings and talented siblings help, help you with your career? Oh, uh, we, it was, we were competitive in everything. Um, you know, we all kind of grew up in twos, though. There's a big age gap. So, you know, my older two siblings were very competitive with each other, and me and my sister were competitive, and my younger, my two younger brothers, there were fights constantly. But <laughs> anytime we were able to do things together, um, you always had somebody who had their feelings hurt or somebody who thought you were <laughs> being too hard on them or not being hard enough. or Because um, we would do, when I was in college, we would do Sundays, three-on-three, three, full court, games um and yeah it would it would get a little heated sometimes so you know i think it was um it was good for all of us um and i think my older sister carrie i think she set the bar for all of us and um the way that she just goes about her life and anything that she does she's giving over 100 percent, and so um i think she kind of set that for the rest of us so let's go ahead and just rank them and tell if you could rank your siblings. No, I'm kidding. We're not going <laughs> to talk about starting a fight. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I would get some text messages say, after yeah, this or phone right? calls. Yep. <laughs> Maybe say, during. Save that for the Thanksgiving table. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, we have Casey Powell here. We have Barb Coward, and we're so excited to have you all here. Um, we're going to take our first break, and I want to thank Great Southern Bank for being our presenting sponsor. We'll be right back here on A Coach's Perspective. is chocolate milk and highland dairy has the best tasting chocolate uh, they're a proud sponsor of a coach's perspective and i think casey and barb would probably agree with me there's very few 
sporting events that Highland Dairy is not involved in. They are very supportive of athletics in our area. I completely agree. And chocolate milk's amazing, so all of us can agree on that. Um, so we're, we're talking about the Springfield Area Sports Hall of Fame. The induction banquet is October 3rd, um, and it is going to be at the Oasis Convention Center. You can purchase tickets online at springfieldhof.org, springfieldhof.org. Um, Bevo Looney um, is being inducted as well, as along with B.J. Flores, um, Jeff Rogers, Grant Winstrom, and the Era of Excellence Marshfield Girls Basketball from 1986 to 1999. That is our Era of Excellence this year. You might know somebody that's going to be inducted into in that, Casey. I, I know her pretty well, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so your sister is being inducted as well. So it's a two-for-one coupon for the Garrison family that night. Yeah, um, and I actually hadn't told my family about it. I told my parents. Uh, I hadn't told my siblings. And then my sister told my dad, and he goes, oh, I think Casey's in the same thing. And so we end up getting a phone call together. And, um, yeah, I think it's pretty cool. That is going to be a fun night for your family and, and well-deserved, that's for sure. All right, so I, I want to talk um, a little bit about um, both of you have something that, that I think needs to be explored. Um, I'm going to start with Casey on this. I want, I want you to talk to me a little bit about your drive and, and motivation. I was listening to someone talk about you, and they were being extremely complimentary about how talented you are. Um, and, and, and they said, you know, it's just, but it's just in her. I mean, that's, that's her family. It's in her DNA. I mean, she's just got all these, you know, abilities. And I said, wait a minute. I mean, yes, she's got some gifts for sure from her family, but, but she has worked so hard and has this incredible drive, um, to be successful. And, and I think that's something that, um, sets you apart. I think that's the difference between good and great and great and the best. So what is your motivation? Where's that intrinsic motivation come from? Well, I think first and foremost, that was my love. I, I wanted to be outside. I wanted to be shooting baskets. Like that basketball was the one thing I wanted to do all the time. Um, and I can remember from a young age, you know, going outside and saying to myself, hey, if you miss this shot, you're going to run down the street and back, you know, and really just pushing myself to say, and it's what I wanted to do. Um, and, you know, that was a big thing for me, but also, you know, I was not the fastest person on the floor. I could not jump higher. I was not the most athletic person on there. So I, um, I really listened to my coaches too, who said, you know, be a student of the game. And it made me really want to learn more about it. And again, it was something I was very passionate about too. So once I learned that, then I realized that, Hey, you know, I don't have to be the most athletic or the fastest or strongest or any of those things. I just have to kind of outsmart people sometimes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that was a that was a big learning thing for me. Um, and I think my AAU coach, Alan Wilson, and my dad will say this, but um, they said I was the best at trying to uh, be the most efficient but find a way to rest on the floor without you knowing I'm resting. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that was part of, you know, just understanding the game and knowing when in the game I could take that that break and, and – uh, just regroup, I guess. And you really, if you missed a shot, you made yourself run? I would, yeah. I mean, to me, there, there's so much of that answer that I would love to clip and play for, have youth coaches play for their young athletes. Um, I think that's something that could be very valuable to them because, you know, you didn't wait for a basketball career to come to you. You went and got it. And there's a big difference. Just like you don't wait for rebounds to come to you, you go and get them. And I think that's something that that initiative and you want it if you have to force kids to go out and shoot baskets, then 
then they might need they might need another path. They, want, they need to want to do that mm-hmm. um, and be encouraged, I guess, to do that and supported to do it. But at the same time, that's kind of the special X factor that um, that, that you can see in, in in the difference between good and great, and great and the best. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have that conversation with my ten year old right now, <laughs> you know, and and just saying like, hey, we're not saying that you're going to be bad. You might still be a very good basketball player, but if you want to be really good or you want to get better and see that improvement. You, you have to want to do it. We can't force you. We can't make you go out there. We don't want to make you and then you hate this. We want you to enjoy it as well and have fun. And so if that's something that is so fun to you and you're passionate about, you know, then you're going to go out there and you're going to do that, whatever that is. If that's a sport, if that's a hobby, anything else that you're doing, you want to put more effort into it so that you can be the best that you can be. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Well, Barb, I want to talk a little bit about your drive as well, because, you know, you, you, you played four sports, you coached, and then you became the sports administrator. And as you're growing, um, you know, the athletics program at Drury University, you know, that you had to have some intrinsic motivation to make that happen. You know, you could have stayed status quo and, you know, clocked in, clocked out. That is not your style. And so tell us a little bit about where the drive came and the motivation to expand the athletics I think I was very fortunate. I worked with some some gentlemen, I think, that were very passionate about women's sports and uh, uh, allowed me to do some things that uh, probably wouldn't have happened if they hadn't been supportive. John Moore, uh, our president at the time, is extremely uh, supportive of uh, women's sports. Dr. Bruce Harger, extremely uh, supportive. Um, and Edsel Matthews has always been very supportive of women's sports, and uh, um, I think they challenged uh, challenged us and challenged the, the university to keep adding women's sports and opportunities for women. And uh, I was just a recipient of that opportunity to uh, to work with those uh, programs as we expanded, and uh, it's been a fun ride. And uh, uh, I've uh, really enjoyed watching what our women's programs have been able to do over the years. And I, I think that is uh, it's wonderful that you were you're able to see the rewards and that you had kind of a team effort to making that happen. Um, what what were some of the the challenges though when you you know you decide you want to add you know women's basketball in two thousand? Um, you know what are some of the challenges? You want to build O'Reilly Event Center and you have this vision and. Um, tell me a little bit about some of the obstacles and, and how you overcame them as a sports administrator to make these things happen. Well, uh, the women's basketball was uh, was an interesting uh, in- interesting case. Obviously, we've had a very successful men's program for probably 100 years before we ever added women's, and we were the only program, only NCAA team that had men's basketball that did not have women's basketball at the time. So. Uh, it was long overdue. We, we started about uh, 25 years after everybody else did. So it was long overdue to get it started. And uh, uh, it, uh, we started it uh, by virtue of uh, what Dr. Bruce Harger and John Moore set up. They wanted to start at the same level that our men's program was at the time. Same scholarships, same funding, same opportunities. But along with those opportunities was the same expectation was that they'd be successful. And uh, so, uh, you know, uh, those expectations came early, and uh, we've been able to maintain those over the years over throughout several coaches. But uh, Nyla obviously got it started and uh, set the foundation for that program going forward. 
Well, I think she set the foundation, and I think she set the bar high. I mean, I she did. Yes, she did. Incredible what um, the, you know. The springboard of a program is so important to be able to to get out there and say, "Here are our expectations. Here's what we're going to accomplish." And I think she, you know she um, just blew it out of the water. I mean, just did such a tremendous job, and and I I feel like it. You know, it gave another boost to, the, to Southwest Missouri for for women's basketball. Another boost. You know, you have Missouri State and all the success there, and then mm-hmm. you have, you know, you have this program that just explodes on the scene. And we have a lot of talented college programs in the area, uh, but it's just so impressive for such a young program to have such immediate success. Yeah, it's it's been it's been fun to watch over the years for sure. Well, and in Casey, you, you know, you talked about it earlier. Um, you know, you're a mom. You have a kindergartner. You have a fifth grader. And uh, take a deep breath. You're coaching your fifth grader. <laughs> I, am. I am. You are coaching. You are a sports parent, and you are a youth basketball coach. So add that to your resume. But um, so, t- you know, we talk about motivation, and then we talk about the drive to make things happen. You know, how how do you support your children? How do you motivate um to them to to not only play but to be the best that they can be yeah you know like i said earlier we don't want her to hate it we we want her to love the sport that we love but we don't want to force it on her either um but at the same time you know i think she does enjoy she really does enjoy actually watching the game of basketball and she's been you know learning more and more about it um but really just trying to make it more fun um you know whether that means we need to go outside and play horse or you know, just go rebound for her. Um, or I even throw her little sister out there sometimes, say, you know, all right, guard Kennedy and, and see how you do there, which, of course, it's easy. But but just finding different ways to, to make her enjoy that because especially now there's a lot of technology that kids can have and keep them engaged, and so they don't go outside as much. Um, and so trying to find ways to make it to where they can enjoy that outside of the home rather than stuck inside yes I, I loved it you know when my parents would rebound for me or or get outside with me in the driveway I, mean, I think that was always something that um, was motivating because it was kind of a family bonding time too um, and you know your husband Matt Powell who is the girls basketball coach over at Glendale High School and has done a tremendous job since taking over um, you know do you two have d- um, different parenting styles when it comes to sports um, I think a lot of our conversations are the same. Um, we, we do agree on that. Um, you know, our tones might be a little bit different. Uh, he might be a little bit harder on, on her or both of them than I am. But at the same time, um, you know, I think we are in agreement on a lot of things. Um, and really just, you know, we both grew up loving the game and wanting to be outside and shooting all the time. And right now our 10-year-old doesn't have that same love um, but she does love the Glendale Lady Falcons, and she does love being a part of that program. And so I think, you know, she she grows to love that aspect of it and the relationships and um, and being a part of a team. That makes a big difference, doesn't it, to be able to have those, um, you know, those older sister role models that, that they can look up to. I think that helps. Well, and with her being the big sister, she doesn't have an older sibling. So, yes, those girls are definitely like that to her. Absolutely. Yeah, that's wonderful. All right. Um, well, we're going to we're gonna take our next break. Um, and I want to thank Highland Dairy for sponsoring this segment, along with Greg and Melinda Burnett, as they support local and thoughtful radio. We'll be back with Barb Coward and Casey Powell right here on A Coach's Perspective.
Welcome back to A Coach's Perspective. I'm Jenny Hopkins, and this segment is sponsored by Bill Grant Ford in Bolivar. Hey, they know cars, they know trucks, they know SUVs, and they know service. They know how to keep their customers happy and loyal. I've been one of them for over 25 years, and Kelly Grant and Shane Rainey are tremendous to work with. Um, give them a call. They'll take the stress out of buying a vehicle out of the way. They'll do a coast-to-coast search and find exactly what you're looking for in your price range. Give them a call at 417-326-7671. We also want to thank West Logging for sponsoring this segment. Contact Danny West for a free consultation. He's going to treat your land like his own. Go to westlogging.com or find him on Facebook. And Craig Lehman with Shelter Insurance. Thank you for sponsoring this segment. So we're back with Casey Powell and Barb Coward, and we're very excited about their induction coming up to the Springfield Area Sports Hall of Fame again on October 3rd. You can go to springfieldhof.org for more information and to purchase tickets for this event. So I'm going to keep uh, picking the brains of these sports figures because, um, they, you know, athletics has been, I, I think I said this to Barb earlier, it's been a lifestyle for her. And it's the same for you, Casey. It's been a lifestyle for you. I mean, this has just been p- kind of part of um, part of your makeup, um, sports has been. So I, I have some random thoughts and general sports questions that I'm going um, to bounce to each of you. Um, Casey, I'll start with you. Um, but, you know, spoiler alert, Barb, I'm going to ask you the same question. So start thinking about this one. But I want you to describe and, and build um, the key characteristics. What are the key characteristics of a successful athlete? Uh, I think there has to be um, that work ethic. Um, you have to put in the time. You have to put in the work. But I think also the accountability of, you know, hey, I've I've got to hold myself up to a higher standard. I have to, you know, expect this out of myself self and I have to you know do the same with my teammates and kind of set that example um, but also be willing to um, continue to learn how to grow in that game you know you're not truly the best there's always an area or something that you're not good at and that you need to continue to improve or work on so um, I think a lot of those factors of, of just that humbling, you know, understanding that you still have room to grow yourself, but then also having the drive and understanding that you need to do that. Okay, I love that. I love that because it is, um, you know, it is, there is room to grow. You know, there's always somebody better that you can, there's always a skill you can work on. There's always an area of your game that can improve. Um, and I think that's something that, um, you know, some some players get held back because they have a hard time getting over mistakes or they have this, you know, fear of putting themselves out there too much um, in fear of, you know, failing or messing up or making whatever it is. So, so how, you know, how do you advise someone to, to deal with that, that feeling of, um, of, of putting myself out there and improving on a skill that I know is a weakness that I need to, I know that I need to make it stronger. Yeah. Failing's hard. Yeah. Failing is very hard and hard to accept. And, and you know, I think that's in anything that you do. It is. It's hard to accept. Um, but, you know, for, from my perspective, I think that you, you know, you kind of have two options. Um, number one is you can choose to sulk and kind of pout about that mistake and not grow or get any better from it, not learn from it, nothing. You just kind of, you know, revolve or go backwards um, for that. Whereas the other option is to, okay, I've learned from this. Let me figure out how to resolve it. How can I overcome this? Um, And in the game of basketball, that's every possession. Um, You know, I think one game, I, one of my best games that I think I ever had my sophomore year of college, I cried after because I had eight turnovers. 
I mean, you know, it was, and, and it was, I was frustrated because I knew I was better than that. And, but it's still overcoming those mistakes and, and learning from that to grow and get better, um, you know, for the next game. And you were the Missouri Valley Conference Player of the Year that year. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, I mean, so that's a great example to be able to, to say there's no perfect game. There's no perfect game. It would be boring if it was perfect. Yeah, absolutely. You're going to make a mistake. It's going to happen. You know, you're going to turn the ball over. You're going to miss a shot. You're going to, you know, not be in help on defense when you should have been, you know, and you're going to see that in film probably the next day or next week. But, you know, it is. It's learning and how to overcome that. Or it'll be pointed out for you. (laughs) It it was definitely pointed out for me. Um, so, Barb, kind of the same question along those lines. Um, what do you think it takes? You've watched athletes uh, for so long come in and out of Drury. You've, you've seen um, seen the whole threshold. Tell me what you think is uh, the key characteristics to a successful athlete. Barb, are you on there? Okay, well, we're going to try to get Barb um, back back on the, on the phone. Um, but, you know... Casey, let's continue because we talk about what a successful athlete is. Tell me what is what are the characteristics of a successful coach? You've been very fortunate, Coach Gary Keeling. You mentioned Coach Alan Wilson. Um, you know, you had Coach Nyla Millison. Tell us a little bit about what are those key characteristics of you've got a coach that you live with too. You know, plus now you're you, you're a yeah. coach. Tell us about those key characteristics you've got to have to be yeah. good. I think number one is definitely relationships. Um, you know, and, and my relationship with Nyla was a lot of the reason why I chose to go to Missouri State um, is that I already had that that foundation with her. Um, and I think as a coach, you know, if your players and my dad talk, my dad and I talk about this a lot, but if your players know that you care about them, you know, outside of basketball too, they're going to run through a wall for you. They're going to do whatever they can for you. Um, and you know, so I think that's, that's a big thing, but also, um, again, that accountability that they're pushing you to be better. They're not just saying that, oh yeah, you've done everything that you can do. You're, you're doing great. They are hard on you still. They're pushing you to be the best that you can be and setting you up for um, after basketball or after, you know, whatever sport you're playing, they are trying to make you just a better individual. So, so wait a minute, you, you think it's a good thing for coaches to hold you accountable? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) Okay. But, but some kids, some players don't like that. You know, sometimes parents of players don't like that. Absolutely. You know, and I do think there is an aspect to it of, you know, everybody has a different learning style. Everybody has a different coaching style. Um, And, you know, you do have to know your players. And I think that's where that relationship comes in. You're going to know what players that you can get hard on and and push them. And then you're going to know the ones that you might have to do it in a different way. Um, you know, and it might be more soft-spoken or maybe not, you know, um, because there are, there's just different personalities. Um, but at the same time, I think that's the coach's responsibility. And if they have that relationship to be able to understand how to motivate each and every player that they have. And, and I do know that there are a lot of athletes out there that do like that accountability. I was being a little sarcastic earlier, but you know, and I do know that there's parents out there that do like that accountability on their, on their child from a coach. Um, so kudos to those parents for releasing you know, your kid to the game and kudos to those athletes for being confident enough to be criticized, confident enough to be coached. Um, but I think those are really important um, attributes that you're talking about because it, it, all of it, all of it, you know, the very first thing you said was build that relationship. So all of that um, is, is to me the foundation 
um, of those coaching is being able to build that relationship and getting to know your athletes. That is fantastic. All right, Tom, did we get Barb back on the phone? All right, well, we're going to, I, I want to talk a little bit um, about resilience, you know, so it kind of segues in pretty perfectly into resilience. You know, we were talking about um, just now criticism being coachable. So tell me how, you know, you're pretty great. You have all these accolades. You're amazing. But you got criticized. I mean, you know, you did. You Whether it was, you know, criticized, for, you know, being, you know, being coached. You were criticized by your coach. You were criticized, you know, by teammates. Or it was maybe on social media. Somebody didn't even know you. Or I'm pretty confident the Missouri Valley Conference has some pretty intense fans that probably haste you on occasion. So so how did you, you know, filter through um, and and make sure you knew what criticism you wanted to use to grow and what criticism you were going to let go? So I think a lot of it was motivation for me. Um, a lot of it was to really push me to work harder. Um, but at the same time, you know, I really felt confident in my abilities and who I was that any of those criticisms really didn't get to my head very much. Um, you know, those those superiors like my coaches, you know, that would affect me. But at the same time, it was more to motivate me and push me to be better and um you know, so I think that it was overall really just motivation and, and blocking out all the other naysayers and what they say um, about my ability. Well, I think, you know, that I think that's that takes a lot of strength. It really does. And I mean, I'm sure there were a few times where um, actually I can't think of any that you were ever rattled. <laughs> you were pretty solid. <laughs> but, you know, I'm sure inside there were times you just did a really good job of hiding it. But you know, there are sometimes that, that athletes, college athletes especially, um, they got to compartmentalize some of that as well. They got to compartmentalize it. Um, they can, they can label and process it later, but you got to compartmentalize. You got to take that and put it on the shelf and you, you got to do your job and you got to perform inside the lines. And, and that's not an easy skill and that takes time. It does. And, and, you know, it really took me, um, it was my sophomore year of high school when I started to get to where, hey, you need to take time to get focused before ball games. Um, and, and there was a lot of, I felt, pressure as a freshman in high school um, playing varsity. Not, I mean, I was 14 years old, not knowing, um, you know, what to expect or what was expected of me. I just went out there to play. Um, but I would get nervous, you know, big games, I'd get nervous and I didn't shoot free throws very well. And so my sophomore year was really a big growth for me of, hey, there's no reason to be nervous, play hard, play the game, take each possession, you know, and just, just take whatever they give you. You know, it doesn't have to be anything crazy. It doesn't have to be over the top. It's just taking it one possession at a time and learning from each one. And then, you know, if I played great, great. If I didn't, I learned from it and go to the next one. So that was what was nice for me is even compartmentalizing life and basketball. As soon as the game's over, I'm done. I'll think about it. I know what I've done wrong, and I'll try to adjust it for the next game. Yeah. I like um, I like that possession by possession. Um, I love. I have uh, a saying that I have a T-shirt actually that says "Play where your feet are," because you want to be in the moment. You need to be in the moment. If you're, you know, you're if you're anxious about something that just happened or worried about something that's about to happen, you're not focusing on what you're supposed to. So you got to play where your feet are. You got to be possession by possession, and I think that can help you with the, you know, the the outside noise that sometimes players have to deal with and, and including that pressure um, because you, you had pressure on you in high school, you know, to take this program and get them to the final four and to get that state title. And, you know, and you did, but there was pressure, but then that didn't even compare 
to, you know, the pressure that you felt, you know, in the Missouri Valley Conference and carrying on the Missouri State, I mean, the Lady Bear tradition. So that kind of pressure, it seems like each year you played, there was more and more on your shoulders. Um, and, and did you continue to handle that? And how? How did you handle that pressure? Um, so really, my freshman year of college going in there, I had no expectations for myself. I said, you know, do what you could do, know what you or do what you know how to do. Just right. play the game. Right. Um, and if you play a lot, great. You know, if you don't, and I was, I was so naive that you know when we were getting up to the exhibition game, my freshman year, and Nyla was splitting out teams of five with her and five with the other coaches. I didn't realize that the five with her meant those were the ones that were going to be starting in the game or or playing more. So. I was surprised our exhibition game when I started and I was like, Oh, okay, great. You know, this is awesome. Um, but it was, it was just more about, it was really out of my hands. It wasn't my decision of whether I would be the one that would be, um, playing more, more or not. It was on the coach, but I was just going to do what I knew how to do. Um, and so then after the third game and Nyla yelling at me to shoot the ball more, um, it just kind of took off from there. And after that, though, it was more of an expectation of myself. I really didn't take that pressure from the outside. I more, again, was just in the moment of possession by possession, do what you know how to do. You know, there's some things that are still out of my hands. Yeah. I like that because I think how much wasted energy um, do we give to things that aren't within our control? I mean, it, it, that is amazing to me. Like athletes, um, seem, you know, and coaches as well. Um, they, they seem to really, uh, waste a lot of energy on things that aren't even within their control. So I think like, let's talk playing time, right? Or, or being a starter on the team. Like you were just talking about being a starter on the team. You know, you want to have that goal, right? Every athlete wants to try to contribute the highest level. They want to be that starter. They want to be out there on the team, but really wanting that and having that as a goal, you don't even have control over that decision. Absolutely. Yeah. So how do you break that down? What are the things, you know, like everybody wants to win the game, right? But it's, that's just a generalization. You've got to focus on the little things, the intangibles that help help you win the game. So what are some of the intangibles that would help someone um, get that playing time or get that starting lineup? You know, I think it is learning the game entirely as a whole. You know, one of the things that my I just had realized with myself growing up is I want to be able to be decent at everything. I want to be able to rebound. I want to be able to get steals. I want to guard, you know, I want to be able to score. I want to, you know, make the right play, make a good pass. I want to be able to do those things because if I can do those and make free throws, if I can do those, they, they don't have a reason to take me off the floor, you know? And, and so not just being, Oh, Hey, I'm a great three point shooter. This is what I'm going to do. Well, if I can't play defense, they may not need me for some games. You know, they, there are certain situations. I might not be in the game at the end of, um, at the end. Um, so just learning the entire game itself and trying to do what I can do and help my team win, whatever that is. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of a lot of players now, it's about who starts and who scores points. And it's like there's so much more to the game than that. Yes. And the starters might only play about six minutes, you know, and it's about who's there at the end and who's contributing throughout. And so um, I just think there's more to it than just, you know, one aspect of the game. And and it's it's incredible to me, too, to to hear, you know, this is such um, a wonderful advice. And I hope there's, you know, a lot of athletes and coaches and parents that are listening. Um, you know, there's also a lot of value in being a role player. You know, you may not be the leading scorer, you may not be the leading rebounder, but you score and you rebound and you, you do what you need to do. You set that screen or you make that pass. 
um, or, you know, you shut down that score. Um, sometimes those might not, you know, be in the statistic books or, you know, but you are able, I think it's very important. You happen to be, you know, the star on the team, but you wouldn't have been without these valued role players. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you do. You need those people that do those other things. I think that's what made, you know, um, the 2001 Missouri State or Southwest Missouri State women's basketball team so amazing because you had so many different players that could do so many different things um, on the floor. And, you know, you had a scorer in Jackie Styles that was phenomenal, but then you had Carly Deere, Tara Mitchum, you know, Melody Campbell, all those people that could do all those other aspects of the game to make them a really good, complete team. So I think those role players are very crucial. Yes. Right, exactly. I mean, you don't have a strong quarterback if you don't have a good offensive line. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe, but you'll never know it. You'll never right. know how good they are. <laughs> all right, so let me ask you, you know, one more question, and, and I'm sorry that we lost um, Barb. We'll try to get her back on in the future and continue to pick her brain. Um, but but um, I, I want to ask you a, kind of a funny question. If you could go back in time and and knew you're as successful as your career was in high school and, and college, knowing what you know now as a mom and as a coach, and um, would you have changed anything? Do you have any regrets or anything that you wish you would have done? I don't. I, I think it all worked out the best situation for me, um, you know, to be able to be that successful. You know, I came in – in high school, um, you know, there was only, I think, about five returners from varsity. So, you know, it was easy for me to step into that. Um, I was able to play with a great group of other coaches, kids, and players at Bolivar as well. Um, you know, one thing that had been asked to me is, I'm, I'm a young one, so I'm, I was one of the last ones to get my driver's license. You know, the, I was 17 when I graduated high school, you know, things like that. And I was asked if I wanted to be held back. And, I think, you know, they think of the advantages of being the older one rather than the younger one. Well, when I look at that and I see who I played with, I don't think I would have had those same opportunities. So I think, you know, the where I was positioned and everything that fell into place, I think there, it was there for a reason. So I don't have any regrets at all. Fantastic. Well, congratulations. Can, I know that um, there is never a time that it entered in your mind that you would be going into hall, Halls of Fame. Um, and I believe this is your third hall. <laughs> that you're being inducted to so congratulations um uh that is just something that i, I feel like is is um well deserved well thank you i appreciate that so october 3rd um the springfield area sports hall of fame and our other guest um barb howard will also be inducted along with bevo looney bj flores um, jeff rogers grant winstrom and the era of excellence marshfield girls basketball from 1986 to 1999 all right we're going to move into our post Game talk here, and our post-game talk is sponsored by Story Construction. They've been providing high-quality industrial and commercial construction since 1966. Go to Story, S-T-O-R-E-E dot com for more information. High-quality service and high-quality satisfaction. So, you know, you can always go to a coachesperspective.com to look at the show lineups. You can listen to previous shows. You can subscribe, and you'll be added into a drawing. You can also follow us on Facebook and, and Twitter, or I think now it's X. So Missouri State University men's and women's golf coaches. We're going to tee it up next week, and we're going to talk to Kevin Kane and Neil Stafford are going to be here, and we're going to talk about um, the collegiate golf game, and we're going to pick their brains and get their perspective as coaches. So for our post-game talk, okay, so there are few certainties in life. You know, you've heard the old saying that you don't have to do anything in life but die and pay taxes. Well, there's another certainty, and that is that change is constant. 
So how we embrace change and how we channel change can help or hinder our progress. So the next time that you're faced with change and that um, and that you're resistant to it, I want you to think about the impact that it may have. All right, if there is potential, and I'm using that word intentionally, if there is potential that the change can bring positive impacts, keep an open mind and be receptive to how it can be implemented. Don't shut out change, but just shut out change. Think about the potential, the positivity that it could bring and embrace the potential outcomes that could result. Progress occurs through change and sometimes we need more, sometimes we need less. But we're always in need to be open with our hearts and our minds in exploring change. And, and we need to have the courage to use our strength to take adventures, seek serenity, and embrace those wisdom along the way. Because that's how champions do it. And I'm going to remind you as I do each and every week, be a good human and live your life like a champion. Live like a human champion. This is Jenny Hopkins, and this has been A Coach's Perspective.